The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you. Whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Bonjour, hola, hello, shalom, all of those other languages that I don't necessarily know. Welcome back to another episode of Pa to Chat Talking Dance. I appreciate you returning. Uh, I have returned this week. I hope that you took some time last week to listen to that, or I guess it was two weeks ago, to listen to that wonderful episode, our first Pa to Chat takeover uh, by Kiara Felder where she talked about her experience as a black dancer, um, pretty much like from her training in North Carolina all the way up until now where she is uh, performing with Le Grand Ballet Canadien. Um, if you haven't listened to that yet, please be sure to go back. It's a great episode. Um, but yeah, so it's me this week. <laughs> It'll be me for a while. That was our first takeover. Who knows if we'll do a takeover again? I really liked Kiara uh, and and what she had to share. I, if you'd like to hear more from her on any variety of topics, you can always reach out to me and I definitely consider having her back on for another episode if you really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, you can shoot me a message on uh, social media or send me an email via our, my website that I say at the end. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, before I get into too much, um, just wanting to let you guys know, so all of my summer work has been canceled. Um, there's a possibility I might be going to San Antonio in the middle of August, but considering the news, it's looking less and less likely like that's happening. Um, I will be teaching, uh, virtual basic ballet classes every Saturday from 1 till 2.15 p.m. for Broadway Dance Center starting on July 11th. Um, and I think that goes through the 1st of August. It's like a three or four week series. Um, so if you do want to take for me anywhere in the world, you can sign up for that. Again, Saturday, 1 p.m. till 2.15 p.m. Um, and that's through Broadway Dance Center. Um, I've also been giving private lessons and, a hand, and taught a handful of master classes and uh, taught at virtual convention. So if you are interested in working with me, I do have the time and space on my schedule right now to fit in a few more groups. So um, reach out to me. Cool. Um, what else has been going on? Um, this is, I mean, this is going to start leading into the, the topic that I want to talk about today. But um, I don't know if you've heard, but most live performances for larger audiences have been canceled in New York City until at least 2021. Um, and that usually means... Uh, productions where there's uh, people sitting in a theater with at least 250 people or more. Um, right now, I mean, it's definitely nobody. Um, but as time goes on, I'll be curious to see what happens. In uh, countries like Europe, I actually I saw a post with somebody who actually just performed for 
an audience at an opera house with a, with a ballet company. I think it was Ballet Opera de, du Rhin, du Rhin um, in France. Um, they've been doing well in Europe and they've been able to uh, contain COVID-19, um, but the U.S. is not doing so hot. So it looks like it, we may be a while off off of, of that. Um, and that's pretty clear through the, the fact that all of major New York City arts organizations that perform for live audiences have canceled uh, their performances through 2021. AB, ABT is not performing, New York City uh, Ballet, they just canceled their fall season, their Nutcracker. I know the symphony and the opera also are not playing to start. Um, Broadway is shut down until January 2021 at least. Um, so yeah, there's not going to be a lot of live dance happening. So for me, I feel very lucky with Movement Headquarters, and I've talked about this in a few of my past podcasts, I think. We're kind of in a good place because uh, we pick up freelance artists um, who need work, especially right now, and we also um, we can put on performances for smaller audiences. Um, so I, I'm trying to find unique ways to keep my company going, keep my dancers moving, and keep money in in my dancers' pockets and other artists in the city. Um, and I'm trying to do that because I'm especially concerned as the Hero Act ends. Um, if you don't know what the Hero Act is, Heroes Act is it adds $600 to anybody who's getting unemployment. So if you're making $100, you get $700. If you're making $500, you get $1,100. Um, and that ends on July 31st, especially, uh, they're, they're considering it because a lot of the country has reopened. You keep on hearing the government talking about, uh, the jobs getting better because our current, uh, her current leader is an economy president and it looks good for him when the economy is looking good. But in reality, there are many of us across the country in different phases of reopening um, and in different situations in more dense environments and less dense environments where um, we're not being allowed to actually do what we do for a living. Um, so it's it's becoming quite impossible for many performing artists to uh even try to work <laughs> right now because uh, people are uh, arts organizations are losing money they're not audiences aren't coming in to pay for tickets and it's just kind of a dire situation um and the current government doesn't want to support those of us who are still suffering and will for quite some time so i know that i'm new to the game as a director of a small company but i i feel a, a certain <laughs> overwhelming obligation that i don't even know that i can fulfill um, because I now have a pathway to create jobs and create work for artists. Um, and I'm trying to be creative and, uh, reach out to people and ask them to support us. Um, so yeah, Movement Headquarters, currently we're rehearsing for some pop-up performances that will take place in parks. It will, it's a piece called Love Letter and it is inspired by, the city of New York. I feel like we've suffered so much over the past couple of months. Everybody suffered, but New York especially. My my one of my best friends, she and I were talking. She's in LA, and she's like, for this whole like pandemic and the the protests and the riots and uh, the fireworks exploding every night. She's like, it's been kind of a three out of ten here. Um, she lives in in the valley. Uh, no, not not in the valley. She lives in uh, 
uh, I guess it's the Valley, but it's still like LA County, like Sherman Oaks, Ventura Boulevard, that area. But she's like, it's been like a three out of 10 here, like in how bad it's been. She's like, but in New York, it's been like a 12 out of 10. Um, so yeah, I wanted to remind everybody like why we love New York city. And so far we've got some good material together. Um, there are three sections. The first section is inspired by the pedestrians of New York. The second section is inspired by the architecture and skyline of New York. And the third section is inspired by the energy of New York. And we have rehearsal tomorrow, which is when this episode is going to, uh, go out and uh we're gonna move on to the next section which is gonna be transportation we have great transportation in new york and people have been afraid to ride it for quite some time and and uh it's one of the great things about the city that i've always loved that i can pay two dollars and 75 cents it was a lot cheaper when i first started coming i think it was like a dollar um but you can do that and you can get anywhere in the city if you live in dc like you have to pay per stop like it gets more and more expensive in new york you can go miles and go to tons of different neighborhoods and different cultures and try different foods and see artsy areas and different parks and uh, i love it anyway so we are pre- we are creating a piece called love letter that we are planning on uh doing as pop-up performances through uh the end of july um, and then I'm also currently working on building a, an immersive nutcracker experience that, um, would have no more than 10 people in a room. And I'm not going to give any more information than that until it's more, more solidified, but I've been actually talking to a, a, a wonderful friend of mine who also teaches tap at Broadway Dance Center. Um, Tony Mays, and he helped set up the Museum of Ice Cream in San Francisco. If you don't know what it is, you got to Google it. It's amazing. Um, And we're talking about possibly collaborating on this. So I'm really excited. Um, But yeah, if you're interested in supporting uh, what I'm doing and helping me help artists survive, please do consider making a donation. Um, They are tax deductible and um, it's not just going to help us like create art. Seriously, like no joke we're all concerned about like can we pay our rent can we pay our insurance if we get sick can we put food on the table like i was just pondering the other the other night like what if i have to give up my life in new york and move back to the suburbs of pennsylvania of philadelphia pennsylvania and live with my <laughs> with my mom if things get bad enough because i'm just really wondering how far is this going to go and without the support of the heroes act we are we are in a desperate situation, especially because the first amount of work that we do, they will not give us unemployment. So essentially like we have no assistance until we actually have assistance. So if you'd like to make a tax deductible deductible donation, please visit uh, www.movementhqballet.org and click the donate button in the top right of the screen. Um, And please consider helping us survive it's no longer about supporting the arts it's about helping us survive i already have friends that have moved out of the city and said that they'll consider moving back when things get better um and it's been fascinating to watch professionals with major ballet companies sarah ricard orza from pacific Northwest ballet um there's silas farley from new york city ballet and i've seen a few others they've retired without retirement performances without planned retirements in the past couple of weeks and they're doing that in in companies that are have still been able to pay them salaries and pay their health insurance um this is this pandemic and everything else that has followed it it's affecting artists on a level that's just incomprehensible and we aren't just going to uh 
miss out on art over the next period of time that it takes to move on, move on from this crisis, um, we're going to lose many great artists that just can't stick with the art form. Um, but yeah, that's that. Um, so yeah, I've been working feverishly to figure out how to make money outside of the, the usual box. Um, movement headquarters is just one of those things for me. Um, and that leads directly into the topic that I want to talk about today, because I, I know that there are many of you that are listening that are in the same box that I am in the same box that my company artists are. Um, so I want to talk to you all about diversifying your income streams um, to give you ideas of ways that we can all survive, as well as building additional skills to remain in the field beyond dance careers or to, uh, if you're thinking about a career in dance and you get to that point where you're going, I don't think this is going to happen, um, it can grow contributing skills that can keep you involved in the art form, even if you are not the one on stage. Uh, those that become that, that don't become professionals, that get really close, that but that don't become professionals, they are, in my opinion, the most important like they're like the keystone to the dance world because those are the ones that have the drive and the discipline and the um to do amazing things. Um, but they they also have the passion for dance that is needed to uh, bring the attention of others uh, to our art form so that we can grow and survive. And uh, there's so many people that yes, they have a horrible breakup with dance in their last couple of years of training because they're, it's so painful to experience that choice uh, and sometimes not that choice to move on from ha- those dreams to have a career. Um, but what I always find is once they get over that initial breakup with dance, that they come back stronger than ever and they become our biggest uh, cheerleaders, our biggest supporters, the people that uh, get into professions that support the business. And they are, like I said, the keystone to keeping the arts alive especially dance because dance is so hard to 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 do as a career so yeah i've been doing this for years um but i'm still i'm still racking my brain to figure out more ways to ensure that i can pay my big city bills and not have to move back to my mom's house in the suburbs of philadelphia did that once for five weeks love my mom love my bonus dad Uh, my brother is currently there with his girlfriend they're great too but yeah i don't want to live with them people help. <laughs> okay, so some of these are going to be like, duh, um, but other of these are, are maybe things that you haven't necessarily thought of that you can do to uh, bring in additional streams of, of income so that you can uh, help uh, survive. And the, th- the great thing about this is once we do get back to the way that uh, the performer, I can't say normal anymore, like what the hell is normal? But once we get back to a sustainable environment for the dance world, <laughs> that works better. Um, these can become things that continue to enhance what you're doing. So, I mean, I feel like I'm a pessimist at heart, but if you wanted me to be an optimist for a moment, then that's it. Um, <laughs> these things getting into this now can just enhance all that you do once you get back on stage or back in the studio and all of that. Yay, positivity. Funny thing, sidetrack, sidetrack, I have been feeling a lot more positive the past few weeks and I do need to say that because I've had a few episodes where I have been crying or I haven't really wanted to do episodes and and I'm feeling creative again and I'm feeling inspired and I'm feeling driven again and um, it's 
it's feeling better in New York and it's hard to watch everything happening to, to other people across the country that we knew could be prevented. But that's a political conversation not to have right now. But I, I've been feeling much more positive. So I hope that that comes across to you in this episode. And I hope that I can spread some of my positivity to you, especially if you do find yourself in a part of the United States that isn't doing well. And if you're in Europe, fly me out there so I can stay there for six months because I, I'd rather be somewhere else than the United States right now. It's not that not that great over here, guys. We are not. <laughs> they want to make America great again. We are not that great. Uh, and I, I think that we aren't making it great again. And I don't think that great is even a good thing. Like, honestly, at this point, I would just like to be fair, civil, kind, caring, generous, and everything in between. Okay, back on track. Ways that uh, diversifying income stream. So, okay, teaching. This is like the most straightforward and obvious one. So, please don't stop listening to this episode if you're like, duh. Um, obviously, depending on what your location is, you can do in studio teaching. Um, I think that we've learned so much during this time about teaching virtually. Um, obviously, you're going to have to do some work into uh, like some research into how you can uh, reach new audiences. I'm lucky because I work for a, a school like Broadway Dance Center and I have uh, this podcast and I, I, I write um, for major publications. So I'm lucky that I have more access to that. But you might actually need to like actively reach out to uh, schools and ask them. Um, you can also do private lessons. I'm currently uh, giving weekly private lessons to this really cute seven-year-old uh, from San Francisco, but they're uh, they're currently on vacation. But they're um, it's it's been fun to get to work with her. Um, but yeah, maybe you didn't want to you want you're focusing on your career. Maybe it's time to start working on your teaching skills. Um, you can seriously, this is what I used to do um, when I was freelancing performing. So, but this isn't, this isn't like direct to teaching, but it's the same thing. Um, I always would reach out to school, sorry, to companies and cities that I wanted to visit. So like, I'm obsessed with Atlanta. I've never been to Atlanta. I've tried to get to Atlanta and never worked, but this has worked for many other places. I would Google Atlanta ballet company. Um, so what you do is Atlanta dance school, or you could do Atlanta contemporary dance classes, Atlanta ballet classes, Atlanta hip hop classes, Atlanta modern, um, and just see what shows up, get their emails and reach out to them. What do you have to offer? Um, what age ranges do you like to work with? Um, do you do master classes? Do you do private lessons? Do you do regular classes? Do you want to do summer intensives? Um, and obviously you should be doing this locally, um, first, but then beyond that, you can reach out to, to anywhere. Like we are now virtually connected to anywhere in the world. I gave a private lesson to a student in South Korea. Um, I have had people just down the street, take virtual private lessons from me and open classes. Um, you, if you have a skill set, you and you have the ability to market yourself, um, and that takes a little bit of a, it takes a little bit of skill, but um, you can get work teaching. And then beyond that, if you're like, okay, well, I'm not ready to teach like a strong intermediate ballet class. You can teach fitness classes to anybody. Um, I just, it'll be up next week. I just wrote an article for Dance Teacher Magazine. It's like a little preview. Um, <laughs> don't you feel special? Um, but no, so I just wrote an article about how uh, getting time off from teaching during COVID um, 
I just wrote an article about how it really helped me. And one of the things that I ended up saying in it was like, I'm really grateful that dance and fitness are a part of my skill set because I didn't have to look outside of myself during this entire lockdown. Like I officially escaped quarantine last week when I started working with my dancers, socially distanced with masks in a park. Um, but I, I officially broke quarantine then. So I think it was like 104, 105 days. Um, but for that many days, like I barely left my apartment for anything except for like walk, like walks to like keep my head level and then also um, to go grocery shopping. And I, I didn't take class from anybody. Like I have kept myself in shape. Maybe I've gained like a few pounds. I've gone up and down. Um, but like my body's actually more together than it was before because I don't have to worry about like commuting everywhere and teaching tons of classes. So um, I'm so grateful that I have the knowledge instilled in me through my career in dance to keep myself in shape and everybody of a certain level i'm not saying like 12 year olds but like everybody of a certain level who has been engaged in dance training for an extended period amount of time they have skills in not just dance but in fitness conditioning cardio uh injury prevention and if you really think like out of the box, you can go, okay, what do I do for my conditioning? What do I do in dance that isn't necessarily super technical, but that can really translate to anybody um, and all that. And you can create fitness classes for all, all ages. doesn't matter if they're two or 80. Um, I mean, you look at people like, I can't remember her name. Is it Mary Helen Bowers? I don't know if that's right, but she, uh, started this program called Ballet Beautiful after she left New York City Ballet after dancing with the company for a very short period of time. And she makes so much money. She like teaches celebrities. Like she has a booming business. And it all started because when she was probably like burnt out and didn't want anything left to do with dance, she realized she had to make money and she had a, 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 a thought and she took her skills and she developed this program and now she's doing very well for herself. So when I, I wanted to mention teaching first because it's most obvious, but maybe for you, like certain aspects of it were not the most obvious. So start figuring out how to do that. And don't just do it off the cuff because then you're going to hate it and you're not going to want to go back to it. Actually, like start preparing, write it down, give yourself uh, certain sets of exercises, see how you feel, test it out on a friend for free. Um, and then when you feel that you can, you can really teach it, do it. Um, and don't expect it to be the same, um, a month from now versus like five years from now, it could evolve. Like my classes as a teacher in ballet and contemporary have evolved. So yeah, teaching one way to diversify your income stream, um, choreography, another one you're like, okay, well, duh, like I could, I could do that. Um, not everybody has the skill of choreography. Not everybody enjoys choreographing that does have the skill for choreography, but, um, think out of the box. Of course you can choreograph for competitions, but then we go, okay, well, is, can anybody hold competitions this year? Um, so then you can also for pro professionals, but that's also very difficult because it requires a lot. So, okay. What else can you do choreographically beyond that? Think about choreographing for real life, everyday people. 
Um, I've been asked to choreograph for a wedding. I, I didn't do it. Um, that's a complicated conversation. But um, what types of events are allowed in your area? Um, what, uh, I've seen some really cool things with like families that are in quarantine and they're bored and they just wanted to do something and they like choreographed like a three minute dance and put it on YouTube. Like maybe you could market like these things as experiences, uh, to take your mind off of like being inside and to end with this fun, like video that you could post for all of your friends to see. You just got to think outside the box. Choreography, yes, it's most people think of choreography for uh, the stage or they think of it for uh, like entertainment, like television and movies and music videos. But choreography is used in so many different types of types of events. And sometimes like you just have to you have to think out of the box. You have to think where you're going. Okay. Choreography, teaching choreography. Two ways to diversify your income stream. <laughs> All right, next, dance writing. You don't have to be a professional to write about dance. Most of the critics that I know, they don't actually have a professional background in dance. They just love dance. Um, obviously, writing as a critic is kind of a dying art form um, in a... Uh, like making a living capacity. It is possible, um, but it's it's a lot of the people that are writing as critics right now, they're actually doing it just out of their love for the art form. So what else can you do for dance writing? You can uh, write for publications. You can write for blogs. Sometimes it, just local schools, they want to have content that, that they can keep on pumping out to keep people interested on their social media. And they, they have blogs or maybe they haven't even thought of starting a blog. You can reach out to local schools and say, I have this experience that I think that can really help you. Um, and some people, they'll pay you for blogs. I blogged for like seven years. Um, I never actually got paid for blogging um, directly. But the thing is, my experience and my knowledge and me being willing to share that publicly and sharing my voice, um, people trusted me and they they saw that I was knowledgeable and they started offering me things. I got this podcast because of my blogs. Um so people will pay for pay for you to write for them. Um, it might just be $20 here, $40 there. But if you have a passion for writing, um, then you can do that. Uh, also, I wouldn't be writing for Dance Magazine and Point Magazine, Dance Teacher Magazine if I didn't have my blogs because it was essentially like creating a portfolio. Um, so if you have been writing, do write out, do, do reach out to these publications. These publications right now, they don't have a lot to report on. They've been talking about COVID for months they don't want to talk about that for months. Now they've been talking a lot about what's been going on with Black Lives Matter. Obviously, that's going to be a continuing conversation, but there aren't any performances happening. That Those are two topics, and you can only write so much on those two topics. So um, the more content you can produce, the better. And I, I know people that I, I didn't even know ever wrote that have recently reached out to the dance media publications, and they've actually written these articles. I think I said actually multiple times there, so I'm actually going to say it one more time. Um, but you get paid per article that you write there. I, I'm on contract as a freelance writer for them, um, and I, I get paid a rate every time that I, that I write. And not only – like I love it because I, I love writing – I get to like either write about my own experience and share my own experience or I get to share like people that I really respect their work. I think they're like not just great artists, but great people and they deserve promotion. Um, and then I uh, get all of this like publicity for it and then I get paid. It's like 
a quadruple win. Like, how often can you say that? So yeah, dance writing. And this could go even as uh, even in the direction that you could write a mini ebook. Uh, you can do it on your own, like, word processing document, or not document, like, you can do a word processing software, and you can write and create a document, and you can make it a an ebook, and you can self-publish, and you can sell it online. Like, there are ways that you could do this without even having to interact with anybody if you're feeling quite introverted and afraid of going near people these days. All right, so... Teaching, choreography, dance writing. Three ways to diversify your income streams. I don't know if I'm going to do that the whole time. You're probably annoyed of it already. Next, speaking. Um, speaking, it, it requires some level of expertise, obviously, but there are many different ways that you can do speaking. And speaking can be like you sharing your experience. It can be you uh, gathering information and doing uh, PowerPoints like Governor Cuomo and how he led us for over 100 days with these amazing PowerPoints. I mean, if anybody is like top of the line with PowerPoints, it is Cuomo. But yeah, so um, this could be anything from a professional sharing uh, information about auditions um, to, and this could even be like somebody who's done a bunch of college auditions and maybe they didn't even go into the like the college dance program, but they could at least share information on auditioning for colleges. Um, you could do anything from auditions for like summer programs, colleges, professional companies, um, to marketing oneself, to social justice, which is so big right now. If you don't know what social justice is, Google it, but that's like using your art for, for cause. Um, how to improvise or sorry, how improvisation can inspire creativity in workplaces and so much more. I mean, if you think about it, like even this podcasting is, is public speaking. Um, maybe it's not like in the moment, but it's public speaking and this can be done virtually. Um, I like for podcasting again, I don't get paid to podcast, but it's like my, my blogs, like I get so much more work because I, I do this. Um, that does pay me, but, um, I have spoken, uh, for, for organizations, um, and made money. I, I gave a career marketing, um, lecture to the graduating class of Hunter's college a couple of years ago. I've talked about, um, negotiating contracts to freelance artists, um, as a part of the actors, actors fund. Um, I'm still losing my voice from November. Did you catch that? Like my voice went out. I think I had COVID in November. We all like don't want to get COVID, but we all wish we had COVID. It's like the weirdest thing, but I am still losing my voice. Even after like months of not teaching like that frequently. All right. I got sidetracked back to speaking, but yeah. So, um, I talked about, yeah, negotiating contracts. What have you done that you know that other people might not? And even though it might seem mundane to you because you've done it, it might not be mundane to others. And that's one thing that I think is really important to note. Like, I remember the first time that I was featured in a tiny little blip in a dance publication. I think it was Dance Spirit and it was like 2008. It was 2008, I think, for the election cycle. And there was one quote by me um, amongst like 20 of professional dancers and what they thought about voting. And I was like, this is the best thing on earth. Um, and then like, I had another little thing here and another little thing there. And then like, I used to always cut out the articles and like put them in frames and put them on my, on my wall. Like, 
I don't do that anymore. There was also a time where like I uh, like if I wrote an article, like I cut it out, I put it on the wall along with the cover of the article and I don't do that anymore. Like it, it, it's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's still like super exciting and not mundane, but like the amazement of it all and like how extraordinary it is, it doesn't feel as as extraordinary. And I just, I take the time to like remind myself, but it can be simple things like that. Like something that you may not recognize every day is incredible that you've done or intriguing or something that people need to understand. It could be as simple as like talking about social media. Like I'd go to my 15 year old niece for it for like (laughs) education on social media. Like we're going to do a FaceTime call soon so she can teach me how to do TikTok. I've been resisting it for years, but now I feel like I know I'm 36, but I, I need to keep on top of things because if I don't get on the TikTok train, what am I going to do when the next thing happens and then Instagram and Facebook disappear? I'm going to be screwed. I just need to, I need to not be like grumpy and an old man and I need to keep on moving forward. But yeah, what are you good at that maybe you think is mundane, but it, is, it isn't for a lot of people? And create workshops, create uh, speaking opportunities, um, and move forth. Teaching, choreography, dance writing, speaking, four ways to diversify your income stream. (laughs) I guess it's it's happening. Okay, front desk work at dance studios. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be sitting at a front desk because like in New York, I mean, who the hell knows when we're going to be going back to actually going into a dance studio. They're doing it in other parts of New York State, but like in New York City, we were supposed to be able to open restaurants for indoor dining in phase three, which happens in a, in a couple of days, um, but they canceled that. So that leads me to believe that, yeah, when we enter phase four, they're not going to let us get into dance studios anytime soon. But if you're in a place where they can reach out to local schools and ask them if they need help with uh, like just managerial work or desk work or accounting work or organizing marketing, social media, etc. Um, you can do some of this stuff virtually. Um, a lot of it needs to be done in person, but maybe they need people to uh, be a host for um, Zoom calls. Like at Broadway Dance Center, there's always somebody waiting. I sign on 10 minutes early. We chitty chat. They make sure everything's set up and then uh, they let everybody into the room. They make sure everybody's muted um, and they introduce me and whatnot. Like maybe they need people like that. Uh, call your local schools and say, how can I, like I'm looking for work. I, it doesn't have to be 70 hours a week or 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week. It could be two hours a week, but that's diversifying your income streams. That's adding money so that you can have multiple streams of income. So that if something goes, you at least have those. So reach out to them and ask them how they can, how, how you can help them. And if they're like, I don't know if I really need help, you can say, make sure you have a list. Like what's your elevator pitch? Just be like, okay, well, I've been doing these things for years. I'm really great with Zoom. I can help you with your, like tell them what you can help them with in case they forgot that they need help in an area. Um, And the best part about this is in the end, usually those types of jobs are the ones where they will let you like do it uh, as needed. So say you're a performer and you uh, randomly can't work on Fridays and Saturdays. Usually they're the ones that are willing to work with you because uh, not only do they have multiple people doing stuff like that, they also get it and they want to support you. Um, and then beyond that, you often can get access to free studio space and free classes, which will uh, not only uh, not only will you make money on the job, but you'll actually uh, save money 
in your budget in the end. So the money actually goes further because you're not having to worry about putting that money towards things like that. Teaching, choreography, dancing, writing, dance writing, speaking, front desk work at dance studios, diversifying your income streams. I feel like I need one of those like true radio shows. What am I talking about? I'm a true radio show, but I need like a Howard Stern, like Baba Booey type background noise. All right. What else are you good at? What have you done? Um, I ask my dancers in movement headquarters constantly, like where they'd like to grow skills that they have some knowledge in. Um, one of my dancers, she was doing social media and we have now promoted her to company manager and she's dealing with scheduling um, and she's dealing with the communications and things like that. Um, and then we've moved another dancer from the company into the social media spot. Um, have you done that with your companies? Have you done that uh, in college? Have you done that uh, in any other jobs you've done? Do you have skills when it comes to fundraising? And when I say fundraising, that sounds like frightening, like asking people for money. Maybe you've set up a Kickstarter. Like I just talked to one of our volunteers who helped us uh, last year to to fundraise for our company debut with Movement Headquarters about setting up another GoFundMe that in the next couple of weeks. Um, if you've ever done a GoFundMe, you know how to fundraise. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to walk up to somebody's face and say, like, please, can you donate to my cause? Um, but you can get paid to help people with those things. Um, grant writing, that's a harder one. That's like real specific, but um, sometimes people will pay you per grant that you do. Um, what special skill set do you have? Um, that you can, can contribute to a dance company, a dance school, a university program. Everybody's got to think out of the box these days. And maybe, uh, maybe they were paying somebody a lot more and they can't afford to pay that person to do that skill set for them. So they're looking at people who are trying to gain experience. Sometimes it's so hard. I know this personally from like my experience of, uh, living and, and being with my husband for 14 years when he was struggling before he started his own organizing business. Um, he was constantly applying for jobs where they, they were like, okay, well you have all the credits that you like all the credentials that you need, but we're really looking for somebody that has five years of experience. Um, in this software. And he was like, I was a teacher and now I'm like, trying to do uh, recruiting at, at, for colleges um, and the college counseling. And they would be like, well, we really want five years of experience. And it was kind of this conundrum of like, how do you get five years of experience if nobody will take you if you don't have five years of experience? This is like one of those magical times where we get to reset a bit. People need to save money. And instead of like putting the money into people with experience, they're going to be willing to pay less uh, to people who need the experience. And then those things, those fundraising, grant writing, marketing, social media, all those things, all like uh, they, they are so, 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 so valuable. I can tell you because I'm desperate for it. I don't have the money yet to, to pay somebody to do it, but I'm desperate for, for having access to people that can do that well. And if you have some baseline level of experience with it, I bet you if you reach out to, to organizations, somebody's going to bite pay you pay you a, a smaller sum than they would those people that have like years and years of experience and then maybe when everything comes back to uh back into play you'll be able to uh take control of that and you'll actually be ahead of the game teaching choreography dance writing speaking front desks fundraising <laughs> uh, special skill sets that you can help people with those are our 
ways of diversifying your income streams. And then if all else fails, <laughs> just start busking, okay? If you live in a city, I know this sounds crazy, but if you don't know what busking is, Google it, YouTube it. Um, busking is going out on the streets, putting down a hat and doing your art form. It's like when you see on the subway and in, in movies, like people like playing the guitar and singing on the subway, um, that is busking. Dancers can busk. I have a friend, she's known as like the Central Park Ballerina. Um, and she dances on point around different places. I mean, she does it throughout the entire city, but she most often does it near the Bethesda Fountain in Central Park. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't recommend anybody dance on point in concrete, but she does it and it works for her. Um, if you want to go out in public, make sure that you, I always say have an exit plan because sometimes like if people come to heckle you, like cops or anything like that, um, just, just go and then go somewhere else. Um, but that's probably less likely. Um, also you need to worry about people gathering, but, um, if you're worried about people touching money, put out a Venmo on a sign and, and do that. Like there's, there's so many ways to go about it, but if you get to a place where you, you are just stuck and you can't think of other ways to diversify your income stream, you can still busk and it's out in public and it's, it's safer than being inside and the audience will come. And I mean, here's the thing, guys, everybody right now, we're all just in such a weird place. And to be able to put a smile on somebody's face is an amazing thing. We've been practicing, uh, three, three dancers with movement headquarters. And I have been developing this love letter piece, um, in Gantry Plaza state park, which is this, I think it's the best park in New York city. It's in long Island city, which is right across the water from Manhattan, but we get like the best view of the skyline and it's right on the water and it's glorious. Um, but I can't tell you how many people have just been like watching, uh, like stopping and watching and the, like, they just tell us, they're like, Oh, it's so beautiful. Like they just enjoy it. And that's the great thing about art. Like people don't realize how much we need art. Art is what is getting everybody through this quarantine and, uh, experience, this pandemic experience. Um, otherwise everybody would just be stuck in their head going crazy, freaking out. Like we, we are, not just art, we are relief. We are the relief. So if you want to go out and bring a smile to people's face, maybe make a little bit of extra money, go out and busk. Do it safely. Wear your sneakers. Um, figure out like exactly how you want to do it. Like you don't necessarily have to do like key trees variation. Um, you could just, you could even improv. Maybe if you're nervous about it, like have a plan, learn some choreography, practice a couple times in your backyard, in your apartment, wherever you have space and go out and busk. And make sure you have a sign that has your Venmo so that people can can send you some money and, and that could help. All right. If you are going to busk also, I do recommend that you don't do it alone. Maybe have somebody like standing in the crowd just in case something happens. Okay. Safety first, people. So these are different ways that you can diversify your income streams. Um, this is going to be really important, guys. Uh, the HEROES Act ends on the... Uh, is it the 31st of July? 30th? 31st, I think it's a 31 month. Um, and don't wait until the end of the month to figure out how you're going to survive. Okay. Um, start thinking now, start developing a plan and maybe, maybe they'll extend it. That would be amazing. Um, but start to think, start to reach out to people. You can't create work overnight. Um, it's, it's very rare. Somebody who can just say, I'm going to do this. They do it the next day. And then people start putting money into their pockets very rare. I very, 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 very rare. Um, plan ahead. Um, and yeah, 
I hope that this helps you guys. If you have any other ideas, let me know and I'll share it on my social media. Um, please stay safe. Please uh, wear a mask. Please uh, be respectful of people around you. Please remember that we're all on edge and that we all want to react in certain situations um, and try to be, think think of that if somebody reacts badly to you um, and try not to react badly to other people. Um, Black Lives Matter. Support your, your, your friends of... Uh, color, black, indigenous, people of color. Um, listen to what they have to say. Call your family and friends. Make sure that their mental health is okay right now. Uh, have conversations about politics, but don't scream and yell at each other about politics. Um, and wash your hands. Does that cover everything? Damn, 2020 is just... Who would have ever thought that we'd be here today? But we're going somewhere. This stuff has happened before. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little tickle in my throat. It had nothing to do with me feeling emotional. Like I said, I'm feeling better. So, um, but yeah, be kind. Yeah, that's it. I hope that you have a lovely two weeks. Happy 4th of July. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay vigilant. Stay, stay here. Just stay with us. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via, via my website contact page at www.barrycorlos.com. Again, that's www.barrycorlos.com. If you'd like to see what I'm doing with my ballet company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, you can go to www.movementhqballet.org. Again, that's movementhqballet.org. And if you'd like to support the work that we are doing with Movement Headquarters and to make sure that artists can survive, please visit that website. Go to the either support page or click the donate button at the top right of the screen. And please leave a tax-deductible donation. Uh, you can also reach out on these websites if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. Do you see what I did there? Been doing that since the beginning, guys. You can go back to the beginning of my podcast and see that I've been working on these diverse streams of income ever since the beginning. <laughs> back to the outro. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking to dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share. Please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter, Bariscos. Stay tuned for TikTok. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have life of a freelance dancer.blogspot.com. I wrote on there for five years about working as a freelance artist. I also have dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And I wrote on there about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. <coughs> Excuse me. You can also head on over to YouTube. I have two channels. One, B. Corollas, feature my choreography. And then also Movement Headquarters has its own channel. Thanks for listening into Pod of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.